Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 246 of the Fun With Cars Formula One podcast. I'm Robin Warner, and today I'm joined by the man some call the Ocon number one fan, Chris Roche. Hey, Chris. Hello, Robin. I'm not sure I'd call myself that, but... uh... But he's in the headlines, that's for sure. <laughs> Some say. I didn't say you said. Some say. <laughs> I think maybe Ocon may claim <laughs> certain fans out there. Today, we're going to talk about the Brazilian Grand Prix, which was the 20th round of the Formula One Championship. For full schedules of all four series, although we're down to two, uh, go to funwithcars.com slash schedules. It is Tuesday evening, November 13th, and here are the results of the Brazilian Grand Prix. Dramatic pause. And yes, Hamilton wins again. There we go. That was good. Good build-up. Wouldn't you know it? It is Lewis Hamilton in the Mercedes that won the race. Uh, Is it his first win? I'll have to double-check that. Hold on for the stats. It is a one with a zero behind it, I believe. (laughs) In second place was the leading Red Bull of Max Verstappen. Kimi Raikkonen, the leading Ferrari, was in third. Daniel Ricciardo in the second Red Bull was fourth. Valtteri Bottas in the second uh, Mercedes was fifth. And Sebastian Vettel in the second Ferrari was sixth. Uh, where were we? Charles Leclerc, Sauber Ferrari, lead Sauber Ferrari in seventh. Romain Grosjean, the lead Haas in eighth, followed by his teammate Kevin Magnussen in ninth in the second Haas Ferrari. Sergio Perez uh, was in the lead Force India and scored the final point in tenth. Brendan Hartley was in the leading uh, Scuderia Toro Rosso in eleventh. And Carlos Sainz was in the leading Renault in twelfth. Pierre Gasly was in the second Scuderia Toro Rosso. There it is, in 13th. And uh, Chris Roche's favorite driver, Sebastian Ocon, was in the Force Mercedes in 14th. 15th place went to Stoffel Van Torn in the lead McLaren. 16th went to Sergei Sorokin in the lead Williams. Fernando Alonso was 17th in the second McLaren. And Lance Stroll was 18th in the second Williams. And not classify Nico Hulkenberg in the Renault and Marcus Erickson in the Sauber Ferrari. Chris, um, the Drivers' Championship was decided last uh, race weekend, and the Constructors' Championship was decided here. No drama. Uh, not much to talk about, I suppose, then. <laughs> it was a pretty exciting race, actually. I think... Uh, it all started with um, Seb's antics in qualifying, where he got into a bit of a skirmish with the FIA weigh- weighing team, which was quite amusing. Uh, survived. Uh, we got €25,000 penalty, but he didn't get a grid penalty. So that meant that we had the two uh, former protagonists on the front row. So it all looked exciting for a, a Mercedes-Ferrari scrap for the constructors, but it didn't quite work out that way, did it? What what was the issue exactly? Because he went in to get the car weighed in a random test and it was a penalty because he didn't shut the engine off. And no, so so what happened was he he hadn't actually done a lap and he was diving into the pits to do a quick tire change before the rain that he thought was coming was, was about to come. And uh, they called him in to be weighed, which irritated him. Then they weren't ready to weigh him. So there was, the footage is fantastic of the guy moving about as slowly as he possibly can to move the cone out of the way. So Vettel, Vettel drives at him. So he has to sort of skip out the way. 
Then he spends, you know, he's on the weigh bridge with the with the engine running. Uh, you have to be weighed with the engine off. So there's a lot of hand waving and general faffing around. And then I guess the FIA claimed he destroyed the weigh bridge when when he when he drove off it. You're supposed to be pushed off the weigh bridge, but he drove off it. So one thing I'm confused about and I haven't quite got the bottom of it was that he somehow restarted the car. So I didn't think F1 cars had starter motors on board. So I'm not quite sure how he did that. Uh, maybe it's the um, the hybrid system is able to fire the motor. Do you know? Do you know the answer to that one? No, I, I don't. I don't know the answer to that. I do know that it's just an excellent scene in the comedy movie that is the 2018 Vettel season. <laughs> I mean, what what else what else has to happen here? It's it's just becoming uh, it's just becoming laughable. What? Uh, oh God! Uh, this is so. There's a he's a British comedian, Benny something. Benny Hill. Benny Hill. Yes. Uh, and I feel like this is becoming closer and closer to a Benny Hill scene. Uh, you know, just Vettel running around, waving his fists in anger, and the next moment, uh, the. The uh, technicians and the people at the Weybridge, they're waving their fists in anger because uh, everyone's screwing up. It's just, it, it's just so silly. And it, it does seem, I have to say, kind of like a dick move to call him in right in the middle of qualifying like that. It, it seems, I mean, obviously he's in the on, obviously weather is an important consideration. And it does, I have a hard time not seeing that as kind of... Uh, yeah, I think there's there's a general agreement that that's pretty poor form on the FIA's part, but uh, but they're unapologetic about it. I mean, you're, you're right; it is sort of turning into a Benny Hill uh, sketch because his performance on Sunday wasn't a lot better as he sort of rapidly went down the order and finished last of the front runners. I mean, Out, no outclassed by his teammate, big time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think there was something wrong with his car. I think Ferrari came out with some excuse that there was a defect. Yeah, but, the uh, there was a nut loose behind the steering wheel. <laughs> hey, but I, I haven't I, used that one in a while. But I was uh, I was really hoping that Charles would have a pop at him at some point during the race, but he wasn't quite that slow. Yeah, unfortunately, what what can you do? But uh, I mean, okay, so let's get into it. Uh, I I have a feeling that you and I are going to have a lively discussion in a moment here. Um, Vettel uh, Vettel's race was what it was. Uh, seemed like Raikkonen generally had the pace on his teammate, and Hamilton did a really good job considering his circumstances. It was known that the Mercedes race pace was looking weak by comparison to. Uh, Red Bull and Ferrari, but you know Max Verstappen was a rocket today as he has been of late. And then, wouldn't you know it, he got in contact with with uh, Esteban Ocon. And I want to know whose fault you think it is. It was certainly Ocon's fault. There's no doubt about that, right? You should not be colliding with the race leader whilst trying to unlap yourself. I, I think we're all in complete agreement. I'd be surprised if you don't agree. I don't agree. Was, I don't agree. Okay. I do not so, agree. So, look, all right. So then let me, let me just why, finish. Let, that's let me why I thought lively conversation. But yes, all please right. go on. So, so I think, I think you know, Ocon 
does have the right to unlap himself, like many people have said. I think he does have a responsibility to do it in a way that isn't going to compromise the race leader's race. Um, and I, but I also agree wholeheartedly with Hamilton's comments that he made to Verstappen after the race that, you know, he had nothing to lose and you had everything to lose. So Verstappen could have taken a different line through the second part of the Senna S to give him a bit more space and, um, and, to, and therefore win the race. I mean, ultimately, you know, he shut the door and, uh, and it cost him. Uh, and it appears, I didn't know this before the incident, but it appears that Verstappen and, and Ocon have form. They really don't like each other. And uh, this is just the, uh, the latest example of that. So you would have thought he would take particular care when, when you, you've got a guy who, you know, you don't particularly care for trying to, trying to pass you around the outside of turn one. So anyway, you tell me your thought. Well, yeah. So you're ruining it a little bit because we agree more. <laughs> <laughs> than uh, I uh, once like thought we might. But uh, here's here's why I have a really hard time blaming Ocon for this. Uh, just as you said, the driver has a right to unlap himself. And maybe it was a touch on the aggressive side, but um, Verstappen was moving to the inside, kind of forcing an outside pass. Ocon absolutely had a run. And then carrying into turn one at the beginning of the Santa S's, uh, Ocon was not precisely side to side, but he was effectively keeping keeping pace with him around the corner, and uh, he was definitely in Verstappen's view. I, that's that's the part. I, I there's zero chance that Ocon was not in uh, Verstappen's uh, peripheral vision the entire time, and. Ocon was not driving into Verstappen. Verstappen drove into Ocon. Ocon wasn't Ocon wasn't pushing Verstappen center. Verstappen was pushing him off the track. If you look at the footage and Ocon wasn't giving up. So it's it's an odd circumstance because the guy's trying to unlap himself and it's not a fight for position. But if you look at it just from a just from a two cars racing each other point of view to me Ocon was being uh the adult in the room and Verstappen was not well no Verstappen's doing what he what he what he's known for right which is no compromising racing which a lot of people love him for and what he was basically saying to Ocon was look I'm the race leader I'm not going to give you space. You're going to have to back out, which means that you're not going to be able to then out drag me down the next straight and I'm going to keep my position ahead of you. So then I don't have to lap you again in a couple of laps when your soft tires, super soft tires have gone off. That was essentially what he was doing. And, you know, you've seen some of the, um, some of the top drivers throughout the years do the same thing. It's you, you basically force the other guy to back out or have a crash. Uh, unfortunately, Ocon elected to have a crash. I mean, Ocon could have gone further over the curbing. He could have gone off the track to avoid the crash if he wanted to, but he didn't. He, he kept on, um, the, on the racetrack and he was as far over to the right as he could be, but he was still on the racetrack, and consequently they touched. So, you know, it's it's one of those things where, you know, Verstappen's trying to make a point and put the guy in his place and say, look, you know, I'm, I already lapped you, and, uh, but, but to, at what cost? He lost a race win. So I think, you know, the reason why he was so angry was because he probably felt, you know, 
a little stupid. I mean, he cost himself that win. Yeah. If he'd done something else, he could have not hit Ocon, made it, maybe lost you know a couple of tenths of a second, he still would have won, no doubt, because Hamilton certainly didn't have the pace to close him down and pass him. He would have won. And that's that's why he was so angry. I, I think he would have lost two tenths at, at most. I mean, that that's the other part of it. it. Just think about it in practical terms. Put your engineering hat on for a minute. Okay, this guy unlaps himself. You let him by. Maybe you lose a tenth. Then you have him to draft behind for a couple of the shorter straights. And uh, then you pass him again on the next straightaway and you're done. And if anything, you've gained a couple tenths because you were able to open DRS that you wouldn't have done otherwise. So that was one tack where he could have, Ocon could have unlapped himself for a couple of laps and then gotten relapped and uh, Verstappen would have had a draft in the meantime. Instead, they have the crash and on top of all that, Verstappen wants to fight about it and and indeed they end up getting into a shoving match and... Ocon got the 10-second stop-and-goal penalty, but Verstappen got penalized afterwards. So it just—it was just, just bucket loads of immaturity and just short-tempered thinking, I think. I, I just even, – even if the letter of the law said, hey, this guy's the leader, you have to give him more than you would if you guys were racing for position, uh, just in practical terms, it's like – okay, it's like getting into an argument – getting like a road rage argument when you're on a bicycle and you're having an argument with a car, you're going to lose. Even if you're in the right, you're going to lose. Physics states that this is going to be bad for you, right? And this was one of those things where it's just like, hey, practicality is screaming at you to just, you know, act like an adult for 30 seconds. And he couldn't do it. I mean, it was fantastic value for money. It was a great race. He drove an awesome race and he capped it off by, by you know, the shenanigans with Ocon and a good shoving match. We haven't had one of those in Formula 1 in ages. It was great. Well done, Max. Well, I mean, it'd be really dull without him. Okay, okay. All right. I can <laughs> I can see that point. I will, get, I will grant you that. But, again, this isn't WrestleMania. I feel like there's a happy, <laughs> there's a happy medium. There's a happy medium between you know, a slog of, you know, parade of a race and everyone being uh, clipped to the core, scripted PR-ness and, you know, shoving matches because one person doesn't like the way the other one smells. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's it, it just, I don't know. I don't know. I think he I think he went a little bit further down the road to cement his reputation in Formula One, right? All the greats have done it. Schumacher, Senna, um you know they've all they've all got into a little bit of a shoving match, so there you go. We could add Max Verstappen to the list. So here's here's um, where I do think we can agree. I think that we can agree that what Lewis said to Max was spot on, that and that showed just how much Lewis has matured and what a great champion Lewis is to have that frame of mind and be able to think of those terms. Lewis knows when to pick his moments, right? When to when to go toe to toe with someone, and, and when you, you just don't need to know it, and that that just comes with uh, maturity, right? And having five championships under your belt, I think, probably helps that a little bit too. So, I mean, interestingly enough, there was uh, a moment where Ocon passed Alonso in that exact same corner, and they were almost in the exact same position going through the, the second part of the turn, and Alonso concedes. And Ocon, you know, makes the pass. 
So there you go. There's a there's a double world champion who understands, um, you know, when to concede a corner to somebody else. So it's um, yeah, it's all part of the learning curve, isn't it? Max is a, I think the word is precocious talent, and he's going to make these odd mistakes. But I mean, his <laughs> I like his pace. Time. His pace through the race was was pretty astonishing. I mean, the Red Bulls are on fire at the moment. Um, they had a poor qualifying, um, but their their race pace was was electric. And uh, you know, to be able to 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 run over thirty laps on the super softs um, was impressive. Um, where Mercedes were struggling, you know, after after less than twenty, um, and you know, Ferrari who looked to be in the pound seats having qualified you know, made it through Q2 on the soft tyres were nowhere, really. I mean, they just, they had no real race pace. I mean, they weren't even as quick as Mercedes. I mean, maybe, okay, they were they were quicker than Botas, but certainly not on Hamilton's race pace. So, um, so but Red Bull were electric. I mean, I thought Daniel was unlucky not to make it onto the podium. Um, so, <laughs> you know, his engine didn't blow up for one thing. Right. I mean, so, he finished the race. I mean, that's a podium of sorts. <laughs> exactly. You know? And yeah, I mean, I, that was, it was nice to see Raikkonen be able to hold off Ricardo and get another podium. You know, he's running out of opportunities for podiums. Uh, if you'll allow me a moment of clarity and, uh, realize that he's probably not going to have as big of a chance at Sauber. Um, so I thought Raikkonen drove a good race. I was not. I was very happy to see how uh, Ferrari let uh, Raikkonen pass Vettel, and they said, "Okay, championship's done. You go ahead and you give it a shot." Um, and that was probably for the good that uh, they allowed Raikkonen to actually run his own pace. And uh, once you know it, he finished uh, three places ahead of his teammate. When isn't that something? Yeah, no, he was quick and he was feisty. I mean, Kimi's had a decent season. You know, there hasn't been too many races where Vettel's blown him into the weeds, right? I mean, he's he's had a pretty good season for for an old guy. So uh, good for him. I mean, um, it, and it also bodes well for Charles once he's competitive in a Ferrari seat next year, you know. If he's ahead of um, Sebastian, he won't be asked to concede, potentially. So it, it's uh, it's going to be interesting next year. I think Seb's going to have a, have his hands full. I, I agree with that completely. And I think that Kimi uh, is having probably one of the best seasons he's had since returning to the sport after his hiatus in rallying in NASCAR. And, you know, he is third in the championship and I think pretty comfortably ahead. I'm going to check the figures here in just a moment. but uh, I think it's pretty tight, right, for third place, isn't it? I, th- I thought he was maybe – I thought he was ahead of Botas and it was getting pretty comfortable at this point. Mm, okay, I think there's. I mean, I think it could still go either way for third place in the final uh, final round. I think you're fine. It's not done and dusted yet. So it's certainly within. I think him, Botas, and Max are within 25 points of each other, for sure. If not half of that, actually. Uh, done and dusted. That's a Britishism I haven't heard yet. Um, <laughs> but uh, yes, no. It, they're they're within 25 points of each other, but. Kimi Raikkonen has 251, Valtteri mm-hmm. Botas has 237, and Max Verstappen 234. So, yes, it's still it's still within striking distance, certainly in Abu Dhabi. But you know, Raikkonen's got a touch of a margin here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he's in the pound seat. So yeah, so that this will be, I believe, the highest that Kimi's finished in the championship 
since he returned. And because uh, I think he was second in 09. I don't remember 2008, obviously in one in 07. Or maybe he was, oh, I don't remember. Either way, uh, he's third right now. And I'll have to go back and check. But I think this is the highest scheme he's been since his return. But the biggest question I had about Kimmy was his utter refusal to join in and dance with the Samba Girls, uh, which Hamilton was having a great old time <laughs> after the podium oh, celebration. Man. I completely see. I had to. I was rushing around with my uh, two-year-old son, so I com- I had to. The second the checkered flag flew, I had to change a diaper or something. So okay, yeah. So there's Hamilton with his. Uh, I can't remember who Mercedes sent up for the constructors. Uh, trophy but he was well into dancing they're like four or five uh brazilian dancers up there uh entertaining everyone and they weren't brazilian uh, children that uh no, hope they to were, one day be dancers they were actual no, they, adults they were adult female dancers and they were um they were you know as having carnival i think is the term uh, up there and so lewis decided to join in and there's a, <laughs> the image in my mind is kimmy just sort of standing there watching this go on like you know utter disgust was sort of the body language i don't know if, <laughs> if he was just mulling over whether he could get away with dancing it and maybe his wife's kind of tough or something but uh, whether she'd notice or whatever but uh, either way he, he didn't want to engage well yeah he was uh he was ready for his nap and uh, just wasn't in the mood to get all stirred up. And uh, it's like dancing with uh, Carnival girls is like having a cup of coffee after three in the afternoon. It's just it's just a bad idea for a good night's sleep. <laughs> okay. So so my my favorite uh, tussle of the of the race was the one between Stoffel and Fernando. <laughs> Yeah, they really the went at place. it. Yeah, yeah, it was good. And Stoffel came out top, much to everyone's surprise. Well, I think it is kind of that, well, what do you have to race for? Just as you were talking about, about Ocon and Verstappen. It's like, well, Stoffel has to do a lot more impressing than Alonso does at this point. So I imagine that wouldn't hurt his efforts to try to impress somebody, anybody. Isn't he off to Formula E next season, I think it is? Yes, I think that's been announced, yeah. Not that anyone really particularly cares. Well, but they actually managed to design those cars so they don't need to be replaced halfway through the race. Yet. Right. They they're they're yeah. making st- – and I do have to say the the car also looks pretty striking. But mm. I, I haven't been motivated enough to watch <laughs> Formula E yet, so. Yeah, yeah. But there's Maybe a lot. I mean, there's too. good driver talent there that I'm interested oh, in. Oh, sure. There's some good teams now as well. It, absolutely. But the calendar's kind of weird. And um, and this whole pit stop and just switch cars business is a problem for me. Uh, until, they, until they can have the uh, the energy density to race the full way in one car, I think it's all a little bit ridiculous, honestly. Well, uh, yeah, I, but I think I think that is the case now. I think the next, I think the the coming season will be exactly that. So, okay, great. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll uh, I I I have a feeling that I will not be crowing about it like I do IndyCar. So, no. don't worry, um, you're only going to have to hear from me about IndyCar. By the way, <laughs> IndyCar is great. Mm, yeah, good. But yeah, I did- it, it was. Uh, you know, it was it was fascinating. The announcers actually said it incorrectly, which I found fascinating. So you the teams can get 
best possible points collection they can get is 25 points for the win, 18 points for second, 43 points in a race. That's the best Mm -hmm. the team can do. Yeah. Uh, Mercedes was went into went into the Grand Prix with a 55 point lead, right? Yep. Yeah. Which means that as long as they scored uh, 12 points or less, fewer than Ferrari, they were going to be constructor champion. But Sky Sports kept having to say that Mercedes had to outscore Ferrari by 12 points, and uh, I wondered if you noticed that as well. Yeah, I don't remember because I, I listened to a, a few different views on the race pre and post and during, and there was a lot of talk about Ferrari needed to score so much more than Mercedes to keep the championship alive, which all seems a bit pointless. So obviously. as I as I already admitted to you, my coverage was pretty limited just to leading up to the few minutes before the race and the race itself, effectively. Okay. And so maybe it was just, uh, is it Nick Croft? Crofty? Crofty, uh, yes. yes. Yeah, I, I, one, maybe he just misspoke once, and at, at one point he said Mercedes had to outscore Ferrari by twelve points. But yeah, anyway, uh, clearly Mercedes uh, did take home the constructors' championship, and uh, they were quite happy about that. And this is five constructors' championships in a row, which is pretty darn good. Obviously, this is approaching the record that Ferrari had, which was six in a row, which was. 1999 through 2004 that Ferrari pulled that off. So I don't know. Do you have any going back farther in history? I don't think other than Ferrari and Mercedes right now, I don't think any team has been able to have that much consecutive wins, championship wins. Yeah, I mean, look, they made their own opinions. They looked at the the quality of the drivers on the grid and they made informed decisions. What can I tell you? Yeah. So, yeah, five or six constructors championships in a row i mean there's been i think there's been a few periods of domination over the years but um but nothing i can recall that is um quite as as long as that um because pre pre ferrari i think you know williams had the odd couple of seasons mclaren had the odd couple um but never five six years in a row the 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 championships in the past they've always you know there's been more variation from season to season uh, until sort of recent times where where what seems to have happened is the teams have figured out a particular formula and have had such an advantage that they've been able to keep that going. I mean, Ferrari um, you know, had probably the best technical team, the best driver, the best tyres. You know, it, they had it all for, for quite a while and, and made Formula 1 quite dull for quite a long time. And I think, you know, a lot of people feel that somewhat uh, that way about Mercedes, but the difference being that you know, Mercedes normally have had either an inter-team rivalry or, or in the last couple of seasons, um, um, sorry, uh, a rivalry with with Vettel and Ferrari. So, you know, it, it's made it a little bit more exciting. It's funny, actually, um, thinking about team domination. I was talking to someone about the season where McLaren almost won every single race. And this is 1988. Um, yeah, I think it was uh, 15 out of 16. 15 out of 16, exactly. And the reason why they didn't win them all was Senna tripped over an, uh, a driver who was in his one-off appearance for that season. Oh. It's sort of in a similar way to what happened with, with Max. Right, right. So uh, otherwise they would have won every single race that year. But they, you know, I mean, they, they obviously dominated in 88, 89 and 90. 
but then uh, and I think they eked it out in 91 but then uh, before and after that Williams had a dominant car so so yeah I, no I, I'd have to go back to the record books but I think that's you know that those two teams are up there with well those records and the 92 car that was the FW 14 14B which yeah. I just think is the prettiest race car ever made I absolutely love that machine Oh, that thing was phenomenal. That thing's epic. I mean, I remember I was at Silverstone that year, and I think Mansell stuck it on pole by some ridiculous margin. It was like a, it was some absurd amount, even over his teammate Patrese. Wow. I mean, we'd measured in seconds, not tens of a second that pole <laughs> time. It was it was ridiculous. Oh, I don't doubt it. So, I mean, what are we looking for in Abu Dhabi? Hopefully, another great race, of course. But I mean, we have, you know. Uh, Stal, uh, Valtteri Botas, this the championship is open there, but it's not hugely. Uh, it's not right like one or two points separating it. The the uh, mid pack um, drivers that starts getting tight, but then the points start getting more precious. You know, I'm looking at uh, let's see where we got Sergio Perez, 58 points. Kevin Magnussen, 55 points. Fernando Alonso, 50. Espan Ocon, 49. Carlos Sainz, 45. You know, if uh, one, uh, you know, Espan or Fernando, if they get a big result in Abu Dhabi, you know, that could be a big swing in uh, Drivers' Championship. Yeah, but I don't think, uh, I don't think the McLaren's going to be any better in Abu Dhabi than it, than it was in in uh, Brazil. I mean, I don't know what's happened to McLaren. They just, I don't know if they just completely stopped developing it because they have, their, their pace has just fallen off a cliff. I mean, they were pretty competitive at, at points earlier in the season. Yeah, you know, earlier, cons- earlier in the championship, they were fourth in the constructors and yeah, uh, being o- and they were okay. Teams, right? Yeah, yeah. But recently, they've just been nowhere at all. And it's not, you know, you can't put the blame on the Renault, obviously. And so all you can suggest is that they haven't kept up with the development of the other teams, which would seem to indicate that they just uh, stopped developing it altogether and focused their energies on next year's car, which, you know, for McLaren fans amongst us, let's hope that's the case and that they've actually cracked some of the problems that they've had with that that chassis this year. But uh, I think, you know, there's a, there are, I don't get so excited in... in um, in whether you know who who comes above who in in the middle order. I mean, I think one of the big shocks this season will be if Valtteri fails to get a win. I mean, he's been in you know one of the dominant cars, um, and you know you got Lewis having won ten times, um, and you know Kimi's managed to win in the in the Ferrari, and yet he may end up with no wins at all. And you have to say he's been quite unlucky. He should have probably got one or two wins earlier in the year. I mean, he obviously did enough to win in Russia and he gave that win to, to Lewis and he should have won in Azerbaijan but had the puncture right and there were a couple of other races where right. he was in the mix and it didn't go his way so for him not to get a win I think is would be quite a shocking turn of events and then you know the question is can Red Bull really continue their fantastic run of form and someone was was commentating on this saying that you know Red Bull have have had false dawns before they they seem to come very strong at the end of the season and then they somehow don't manage to carry it through to the next year where we all think they're going to be competitive and then they seem to lose a bunch of time again but by, by by the start of the next season i wonder if this this time it'll be different and we'll have a, a truly three-way fight for uh, the championship next year which would be great well uh i i don't think that'll be the case at all because Red Bull is going to have the Honda so they'll dominate, 
and it's going to be Ferrari, Mercedes, etc., fighting for best of the rest. That's uh, I think that's pretty clearly what's going to happen. So Except for dominate. you know, Sauber is going to have the win here and there because of Kimi. They'll dominate the demand for the cranes and other and other vehicles <laughs> stationed around the drag to tow them away. Okay, I got it. I just I I can hear the fear in your voice. You're just the quivering at the tip of the tongue of just what is Ferrari going to bring? It's is it truly going to is it truly going to be Honda that takes down Ferrari? Honda that takes down Mercedes and Lewis's run of championship and wins. You're it's just going to be a big stone wall all of a sudden. And it's like why can't Lewis? get any more records and it's because of honda i mean look i i lived through the honda domination of formula one i mean they had an engine that absolutely uh that was untouchable for for many seasons in the 80s um and then you know they had their own team bar bar honda that was an unmitigated disaster i mean they had a couple of close relatively competitive seasons but by and large was a failure right and then they came back with mclaren and it and it's just been it's been a horror show i mean it's slightly better this year but it's they're a shadow of their former self so maybe the real honda will turn up sooner or later and you're right and when they do and with the red bull chassis they will probably dominate but i don't think it's gonna be next year i don't think they've made that much progress yet well, you're forcing me to bring up IndyCar again. Uh, Honda <laughs> Honda won both the Drivers' and Engine Manufacturers' Championship in IndyCar. Uh-huh. So, and that oh, was so against Chevrolet. And Chevrolet had won. Chevrolet had won since they've been in competition together. So, I think this was the fifth or sixth season that Honda and Chevrolet were racing each other, and this is the first time Honda beat Chevrolet in IndyCar. Well, there we go. So, here's a question for you. Fernando Alonso announced his return to the Indy 500 for the 2019 running. Yes. Uh, will he be driving a Honda or a Chevrolet-powered car? I'm pretty sure that Michael Andretti was in the f- promotion photo, and that's Andretti Autosport, and that's Honda. Uh, well, I'm afraid you're wrong. He's going to be running in a McLaren chassis. I don't know if Andretti's involved, but it's going to be a Chevy, Chevy lump in the back. No kidding. Where's that? Yeah. So it's been announced officially somewhere. I thought that was still yeah. being details to be decided. Okay. No, I read that Honda declined the opportunity to provide mention. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's shocking. What a what a what a huge surprise. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, Alonso did what he did with the car. McLaren did what they did with the car. And then, you know, Toyota goes off and runs WEC with Toyota. I mean, these, none of these things are helping his uh, relationship with Honda. No, no, I think too much water's flowed under the bridge for that one. I think uh, that's, yeah, damage beyond repair, I suspect. So uh, what are you looking for for Abu Dhabi? Um, oh, I think 11th win for Hamilton would be nice. Um, maybe uh, Williams on the podium, podium, Sorokin up there in second. And we'll take uh, Fernando, you know, third place uh, just to uh, say farewell. That'd be great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to uh, opening uh, another bottle of gin, having a couple of gin and tonics, and just having a good time. Because, listen, I'll be full... Of Turkey still probably mm. when the race goes on, and uh, 
it's going to be it's going to be fascinating because it's going to be just generally a time of celebration and uh it's going to be it's going to be fun to have a formula 1 race uh, over thanksgiving weekend here in the states uh, i'm looking forward to that part uh of it to be sure and you know i hope i hope it's a good race i hope it's a fun race but uh there is one more race and that is abu dhabi grand prix it is the 21st round and final round for Formula One, it is going to be the end of the season. It's in Abu Dhabi on the 26th of November, which is four days after Thanksgiving here in the States. Um, there is still the fifth round of the World Endurance Championship in Shanghai. That's a six-hour event. That's next. That's in just a few days' time on the 18th of November, 2018. And I want to thank you for listening. Please do take a moment to review us on iTunes or on whatever platform you get our podcast Please leave comments on the episode of your choice by going to funwithcars.com. As always, I can be reached at feedback at funwithcars.com. Tweet us at fun underscore with underscore cars. And check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash fwcars. Chris, hey man, always been a pleasure. Always a pleasure to talk with you. Any closing thoughts? Vietnam. (laughs) That's right. 2020 race in Vietnam. And uh, I guess we'll, we already have something to talk about for the next podcast. I'm Robin Warner. Goodbye. Um, I'll answer that question in a moment. My daughter wants to make a quick guest appearance, as Will made one in the last podcast. Now we've started. Well, it, it, it's only fair. And, uh, <laughs> hi. Hi. And hi, Vanessa. What do you want to say? Who's your favorite driver? Oh, uh, Lewis. Oh, oh what a shock. <laughs> I am just gobsmacked. And uh, Good night. are you going to chocolate or strawberry ice cream tonight? Good night.